are you going to invest in some Bitcoin? Probably not. Number one, I don't know how. (laughs) (laughs) Um. (laughs) Hello. Hello. It's Madison. And Katie. And we're here on The Cheddar. Um, So the audio may be a little bad this episode, but that's because we are commuting through the interwebs to bring you this podcast. (laughs) That's how dedicated we are. So dedicated. I'm here in Orlando. I'm in Gainesville. Which is weird. (laughs) (laughs) We're not together, so... If we're a little off on our reactions or how long it takes us to pull something up today, that's why. Yes. But we have some super, super cool stuff to talk about. Um, We're going to dive into some more technical chatter today, talking about um, cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and the technology behind them and the women that are kicking butt and taking names in that industry and they're like super underrepresented because you think about it it's like technology and then like finance cryptocurrency is like a pretty controversial topic in general like do people support it or not support it we're going to talk about our views um mostly from like what we've learned by studying and doing our own personal research but yeah i'm super excited You should get excited, too. (laughs) We're going to share a lot of tech news, because I know last episode there was nothing going on. And then, like, right after episode is published, I feel like everything that could happen in technology has happened. So, like I said, we're talking a lot about Facebook. It has some cool facts for y'all. Stuff that's happened since the Cambridge Analytica scandal. What Zuckerberg has been up to. And he recently got, like, super grilled by the EU um, relating to GDPR, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, so, they have suspended 200 apps. Um, in the purge following the scandal, and deleted 583 million fake counts, 865.8 million posts during quarter one of 2018. So these posts that they were deleting, um, most of which AI was deleting, um, contained graphic violence, nudity, hate hate speech, or terrorist propaganda, stuff like that. Um, And 97% of the removed content was spam so they have a spam problem (laughs) so when they say spam is that just like like a flood attack of information i'm seeing it from like a cyber security perspective yeah i yeah like um what comes to mind is when they try to flood the servers so they can take over and hack things Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know Mm -hmm. if like that the purpose of that was to try and hack something but there definitely is a lot of spam or like you know like I'm guessing more of the fake news like people just made stuff up 
to post it on Facebook type of thing. Oh. Um, and then 3 to 4% of their 2.2 million monthly users are not real people. Which 3 to 4% doesn't sound like a lot, but when you think about when it's millions and millions of people, um, that's a lot. So AI has been doing a better job of flagging certain types of bad content, um, specifically spam and nudity. But when it comes to more like complex things, like how we use language and maybe it doesn't catch on to like sarcasm um, and things like that. It only catches like 38% of hate speech, um, which makes sense, I think. Yeah. And some people can have really strong opinions and use less favorable words, but it's not hate speech necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, not, there's more of like a fine line, so you can't really say, oh yeah, that's definitely hate speech. So there's like a gray area in between someone who's super aggressive, like you were saying, and someone who's like completely just negating everyone's opinions and like spewing this horrible information. Yes. So technology is still not at human level, which is probably a good thing, but... <laughs> Definitely a good thing. Based, based on... There's two sides to the... But technology at a human level, <laughs> there's a side where everyone's like, oh yeah, we need like technology to basically take over the human race. And then there's the other side who are like, yeah, I don't want technology to be smarter than me. So with the rise of AI, there's definitely a lot of conversation that needs to be had about how we're going to program it and to what extent. Yeah, that's a good point. I've been watching Westworld recently, so... They, What's like, Westworld? So Westworld's uh, HBO show. Think about going into Disney and all of the um, Disney princesses are actually robots and they go around the park and they have their lines and they respond to people and they have their main storyline. So they always have something to refer back to like, oh, I have to leave to go do this or something. Well, in Westworld, it's not as pretty as Disney per se. <laughs> so <laughs> basically people, only the richest people can go there do a lot of, like, bad activities without getting punished for it. So they'll, like, kill the robots, um, and they're made to look like people, so, like, they bleed and they, you know, do all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Um, have sex and, like, you know, do a lot of different things, like, with the robots because they look like people and and they can, like, do whatever they want. And it's really interesting because it makes you think about humanity and, like, then the robots start to remember because they're programmed to forget um, and just go back to their storyline every day. But then they start remembering and you you have this like internal struggle of like, I really want to support these robots because they've been like abused. But at the same time, you're like, what if the robots want to go and kill all these people now, you know? Yeah. Um, I just gave away like way too much. So I'm just going to stop there. But (laughs) it's really fascinating and it makes you think about like, Humanity. AI. AI. The rise of the uh, Yes, people have different views. Okay, we're back on track. <laughs> I'm we're, glad we made it back. We made it back. I'm like halfway done. Okay, so recently Zuckerberg got grilled by the EU. We know how he recently went to Congress. and yes, was the getting, memes were everywhere. Yes, so many memes. It was amazing. And he also just went to the EU and 
I like to think of EU as the bad cop compared to the US. And so they were asking him, is Facebook a monopoly? What does Facebook intend to do about elections? Will Facebook be GDPR compliant? Um, And their whole thing is data privacy regulation. Uh They implemented this past month GDPR compliance. It's a regulation and it makes companies who store data on their users Instead of having a terms of agreement that's like super long and you just, you know, don't even read it, you just click accept, it tells you in like short print exactly how they're using your data uh-huh. and like where it's going and what they're taking. And then you say like, Am I want to opt in or like, I don't want to have my data to be stored, but I still want to use your stuff. Like I still want to have a Facebook account or whatever it is. And so they have to do that. I think I talked about this for a tech corner one time about how they're being more upfront with the fine print and how they're like requiring companies to say how they're using their information. Yeah. It's super cool. Cause you're like, is it the user's responsibility to read through, you know, the terms and agreement or who, who does that fall on when something goes wrong? And so it's right. like the government is <laughs> actually solving that problem for us, which is super cool. Interjection, but extremely relevant. I can't remember what class it is was in. It was either B law or international business. I'm pretty sure international business. But remember when the Samsung galaxies were exploding? Yes. So we watched a video about how this boy had a Samsung Galaxy explode and it burned his leg severely. And so he hired a lawyer, obviously, to sue Samsung. And Samsung was like, oh, it was in our fine print that you would be like responsible if you got burned because our phone exploded and the, the boy was like well your phone wasn't supposed to explode on me so there was this whole deal about was samsung in the right because they included it in their contract or was the boy in the right because he was physically harmed from their device that they're selling to consumers so that's like a huge deal with just contracts in general is that are tech companies actually liable for what happens in them or are they consumers yeah and that's craziness i mean if they're smart it's definitely the company's fault like they're not gonna get a good reputation i know their users if they're like no like you can't blame us if our phone explodes and burns your leg like (laughs) ridiculous i know it was a lot there was like over a year ago, I think, too. Yeah. And we're still having the debate. Yeah. Continuing with our news, I have <laughs> one more story, so we're almost there. Um, I think we talked about this maybe, like, a couple episodes ago, um, but it was the Uber self-driving car that hit a woman, um, and she was walking her bike across the street, and... Basically what happened, um, Uber has a ton of uh, self-driving cars, but they have to have a person still in the car in case the tech like malfunctions or something. There was a lot of things that they had to clear up in terms of did the vehicle actually see the woman? We got some information. So it brought up a couple questions. I was like, okay, let's talk about it. So the Uber's tech saw the woman six seconds before the hit and identify that there should be emergency braking uh, a little over a second before. The car didn't brake, 
because the emergency braking system was turned off to avoid quote-unquote erratic vehicle behavior. The tech functioned properly, but there were huge design flaws, um, which I believe was definitely Uber's fault. They released their self-driving cars super quickly. When you think about, like, Tesla, I said sarcastically in these notes. In other news, Uber closed all operations in Arizona for their self-driving cars. <laughs> but, yeah, I feel like this is, you know... I feel like Uber's done a lot of these types of things before where they just are like, oh, we have to do it now, and then they end up making all these mistakes. Well, I, I also believe that they're trying to push these cars out because they are trying to remain competitive with Tesla and all these other companies who are releasing self-driving cars. And that's not to say that you know Tesla and, and the other companies are, have better versions of self-driving cars. I think I just heard like at my office the other day that another person passed away in a Tesla self-driving car. Mm -hmm. So that's very unfortunate that this keeps happening, but I do think it's a very cutthroat industry, self-driving cars as a whole, and so people are just trying to push them out as fast as possible, which might not always be the safest option. Yeah, and I think considering, I'd have to look at statistics of how many people have Teslas versus how many Uber self-driving cars there are. Because I feel mm. like they're, like, I see Teslas every day, you know? Right. But I don't see a lot of self-driving cars. Um, so statistically, you are bound to see, like, unfortunate accidents with Tesla. But as a company, I feel like Tesla just handles it better. It brought up some questions, which we've talked about before, but who's responsible when the self-driving car gets an accident? Is it the in-car driver? The company? The developers? And I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. That's super hard. Um, I do. I do think it's Uber in that situation because while the driver should always be alert and absolutely never take their eyes off the road or fall asleep or I don't know, read a book or whatever you think that you want to do if you purchase a self-driving car, like the consumer is putting their trust in Uber to create a car that they are safe in and comfortable in because even if they like check their watch the consumer then that's still taking their eyes off that road for a split second that something could happen and uber would need to have those security precautions in place to make sure nothing did happen unfortunately like this yeah i would say in this case it's a little bit easier because it's literally just an emergency break and there's right. a, that's like a very low level of self-driving like autonomy like a lot of cars who don't say they're self-driving they still have emergency braking on their on the car so yeah I, it, I think it would be harder and when it comes to like a situation where the car could you know accidentally hit something that could cause a lot more fatalities Versus being in a scenario where um, there's only, like, one person in the car. And so that's maybe yeah. the car makes a decision, which is, like, crazy to think about because we're not at that level yet. But, yeah. We're, we're getting are, there very quickly. We're getting there. So I feel, I feel like those are the harder questions um, compared to this situation. But it's definitely something to think about. Woo. 
Okay, let's brighten up. <laughs> Did you want to talk about Carly Kloss? Are you, like, next time? Yeah, I'll just gloss, gloss over the Kloss. Okay. <laughs> um, so, Code with Classy is this scholarship program that Carly Kloss, supermodel extraordinaire, mm. tech idol, has created um, for high school girls and, I'm pretty sure, and younger. It's Maybe it's, like, 13 to 18 or something completely unsure of the age all I know is you can't do it when you're in college because I tried to apply and I failed (laughs) miserably and for all the haters who are like oh my gosh Carly Kloss is a model and like she only is in the tech because she thinks it's cool and she's trying to be smart to make up for like the fact that she's employed by her looks this is false she is a student at NYU and she's studying computer science so you can take that to the bank she's actually (laughs) very successful in her studies Okay, so she created a suitcase line with Away suitcases, and I feel like a lot of suitcases are leading toward this trend of, like, hard shell exterior, super cute, like, matte black, Mm -hmm. four wheels, you know, like, basically every suitcase looks the same these days, but Carly, like, the tech goddess that she is, she created these suitcases with, like, chargeable ports, which... Again, a lot of suitcase lines have those, but she created, like, little purses, sort of, like, little travel suitcase purses in two colors. It's, like, Gigabyte Green and this other purple that, like, has a cute fun name as well that I can't remember off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. But I just think it's super awesome that people like Carly in such a position of influence that she's in are, like, taking steps to push for, like, girl love and girl power in the tech industry, which is awesome. Yes, I 100% agree, and I definitely follow her on Instagram, because <laughs> I need to know what she's doing, and I always see her updates um, with her Code with Classy camp, and it's just the sweetest thing. I, they have, like, multiple locations um, in various big cities, so if you have a friend, a sibling, if you yourself are in that age range, definitely check it out. You will not be disappointed. And I know it goes from the more design side of like HTML, CSS to the hard coding of like Python and all of that. So definitely check it out. And I think you get free swag too, which is Yeah, I'm pretty sure you get like a shirt and like obviously you get to hang out with Carly, which is unreal, whatever. <laughs> So she is one of our women that we wanted to highlight because she is bomb, the bomb.com. Today we are talking about cryptocurrency, uh, more specifically Bitcoin because it's the most well-known cryptocurrency. Um, it's the one that the most people invest in. And we're going to share our opinions on do we like Bitcoin, do we like cryptocurrency, and do we like blockchain, which is the technology behind it. So we have some cool slides that were made prior to this um, podcast episode, and they're really good about explaining what's going on. Um, And little plug here, you can check out this slide deck on GatorTechUF.com, and you go to like the resources page, I believe and scroll towards the bottom it has blockchain so you can look at these slides has good pictures if you're a visual person 
but I'll do my best to make some analogies so you can understand what we're talking about. Because when we tried to learn this, I know it was like really rough. I don't know about you, Katie. I, like reading through those slides, having looked over this information probably like three times a month for the past year and a half, I still don't understand half of it. <laughs> yeah, so blockchain is like super advanced. Um, but I think getting just like a really baseline, like basic understanding is really helpful to know like what's going on in the news and why do people care about this? And yeah, if you want more episodes like this, if you have topics you want to learn about like data analytics, whatever it is, feel free to um, do a review and comment those things. We'd love to see them. And I like doing these because I feel like we're sharing some important knowledge with you all. Okay. So, the technology behind the cryptocurrency. What is blockchain? So, essentially, um, the definition, which I don't think does a great job of explaining what it is, but you gotta start off with the definition. So, blockchain is a digital distributed ledger. So, breaking that down, digital, the most obvious because cryptocurrency is something in the interwebs, online, you access through your computer. The distributed part I'll talk about in a second, um, but the ledger, so the, the definition of a ledger is a book for recording, um, which is, I think, sort of helpful um, and will make sense as we further explain, but rec it records every transaction and you can't, like, erase the recording. Like, once it's there, it's there. So, um, as far as the distributed part goes, it's a digital distributed ledger. The distributed, think of like a central node with a bunch of little nodes coming out of it. So, when something's centralized, it's the opposite. It kind of looks like an asterisk. Like a what? Like an asterisk? Yes. I'm trying to like visualize it for people. Yeah, it's like... I like to think of it as, think of the central node as your brain. And all of the little nodes are body parts, like your arms and legs and stuff. Um, without the central node, all of the little nodes couldn't function. So if someone w was to, like, harm your brain, like, there's, like, everything else is sort of, they can't use it, right? Yeah. So in the same way, if someone hacks into the central node of something, they automatically get all the other little nodes that come out of it. Um, on the opposite side, you have something that's more distributed. So every single node is a brain, per se, and they're all connected very intricately. Um, but it's, it's basically a lot more secure as a whole because you can't hack into something central and get everything. To hack it, you literally have to hack every little node. And in cryptocurrency or in blockchain, the technology, there's so many little nodes that it's virtually impossible. It would take like all of New York City to do it or, you know, it would take a lot of brain power and just power in general. So um, that's sort of the basics of what blockchain is. Um, some other things about it, so we said it was um, distributed, it's cryptographically secured, so that's just that it's a lot more secure, and every block on the blockchain 
has a time-stamped history, which has a lot of cool uses besides in cryptocurrency. So cryptocurrency is just one way that blockchain is used. So how does it work? Um, so think of literally a chain of blocks or cubes or however you want to see it. It's a linked list. So each block has its timestamp and a link to the previous block. So we can go all the way back to the first block ever made. So if someone tried to take credit for someone else's work and it was on the blockchain, you could go all the way back to the first block and say like, no, this is the person who first made this block because it records. That'd be so important in like group projects. <laughs> in group projects, um, in a, another industry, that I don't know if it's been implemented yet, but like the music industry, um, since there's people who will like make covers or like take credit for people's work, that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, like SoundCloud, people are like, this is my original song, and people are like, actually, like Kelly Clarkson sung that in 2008. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of uses, and that's why I personally really like blockchain. Um, so it removes a lot of the middleman so when we think of how we have our money today, um, we have to go through, like, government stuff. We have to pay taxes, obviously. And um, blockchain is more just, like, when you choose to make a transaction with someone, it goes directly to that person. It doesn't have to go through your Venmo, your bank account, whatever, because it's just directly within that blockchain. Um, and sort of adding on to that, since it's distributed, every person is connected, it's decentralized. Um, so you wouldn't have a government entity in this blockchain. And because of that, it's super transparent. You can always see what everyone is doing, um, which makes it a lot faster. And there are reduced fees, which is directly related to there's no middleman, so it's going to be cheaper. However, there are definitely a lot of um, challenges because blockchain is controversial, it's new, there's a lot of like failures we're going to have to go to to be able to make it really good, um, including the legal system it would have to like recognize blockchain as potential, there may be laws or regulations. When we talk about like Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, Bitcoin itself isn't necessarily the best cryptocurrency because it was one of the first ones ever made. And so they weren't necessarily prepared for the scalability of how many people are investing and using it now. So that's a very brief overview. And I know that was very technical. Now I'll go more into Bitcoin. So we understand sort of how Bitcoin works, how transactions work. So it's a digital currency. It's secured by the blockchain. And it's basically this trust network of all these people who are trying to mine for Bitcoin, which is like, are they going somewhere and getting their pickaxe and mining? Cave? Do we know? <laughs> How do we get some? Um, it's a funny term. To get Bitcoin, it's like solving a really complicated math problem. But you can't do it yourself. Your computer has to do it because computers are way better at solving math than we are. So using processing power to be able to get these Bitcoin. There's a limited amount of Bitcoin in the universe that was set by the person who made it. There's a limited amount and Bitcoin used to be pretty easy to get because we had so much that due to supply and demand, very few people wanted it and like it didn't really have value at the time because value is determined by the people. Um, 
it was super easy to mine for Bitcoin. It took very little processing power. But now, since we're getting up towards that limit and there's only so much Bitcoin in the world, um, it's super hard. It has a lot of processing power to be able to get Bitcoin. And so you don't have to get one whole Bitcoin. You can literally get like a percentage of a Bitcoin, a fraction of a Bitcoin. And right now it's worth a lot of money. I know it's been up and down and super far down. And now I think it's coming up. I'm not sure. So it says currently, oh, the cap is 21 million and we're around like 16 or 17 million Bitcoins. Um, but a million or more was lost because when Bitcoin, like I said, when Bitcoin is first created, it didn't have a lot of value. So that was people who invested in Bitcoin, completely forgot about it, you know, forgot their passwords, switched accounts, paid paid it for a pizza, whatever it was, stuff was lost. And then um, that can never be recovered because there's only so much that is in the system, which is weird. So I would probably consider myself an environmentalist. So I was recently in Europe, so I'm like super obsessed with Europe and travel. So I was on Snapchat this morning and I like saw this article in their news feed, which is not a reliable source, about Iceland. So I clicked on it and turns out it's an article from the Wall Street Journal, which is a reliable source. So the article is entitled, Iceland takes a hard look at the tech boom sparked by its cheap, bountiful power. So basically, these are bullet points about said article. Um, so the, the, the geology of the country is fueling the tech boom that they're having there because their climate plus the geothermal steam from their tectonic fault line provide cooling and electricity, which is super, super important in any cryptocurrency mining because I had friends at my internship last summer and they were mining, is it Ethereum, Erethium? Mm-hmm. I'm never sure. And they literally had, like, this whole setup in their garage, and it was this huge installation, and they had to buy fans that would, like, auto-turn on while they were at work just to keep, like, the machines and the servers themselves cool. And it was really funny because when they first started out, they were breaking even because the electricity costs in their house skyrocketed, so... Like, they weren't garnering any profits because all the Bitcoin that they did mine or whatever cryptocurrency they were mining, like, the electricity costs that they were having to front would just offset it. So people and companies are turning to Iceland because of the cooling and electricity that it offers. So companies are hosting their data centers there, which is, like, basically all their, like, servers and storage rooms. Yeah, so the environmentalist government of Iceland is trying to find ways to slow the rise of data centers by revising the procedure of adding new power plants. So they're just trying to make sure that the like the process you have to go through to like build a power plant there is heavily revised because they're trying to decrease the number. So basically, the tech boom is putting nature at risk, which is something I feel like people never really consider, because like myself, I was thinking about it, and I was like, wow, yeah, technology is increasing at such a fast rate, and how everyone talks about it all the time now, but I never realized that like, wait, like it's putting our planet at a disadvantage, and I feel like that's not something super talked about. So... Also, something I didn't know was that Facebook built a data center in Sweden in 2015, 
Amazon is opening three data centers in Stockholm, and Apple is building two data centers in Denmark and one in Ireland. So there's this super huge trend of all these big tech giants like moving toward Europe and the Nordic countries just to make sure that their data centers are probably like cheaper to have them store them there and that they're staying cooler. So what we're discussing right now, Bitcoin, is a huge concern in Iceland because of cryptocurrency mining because it's very processor and electricity intensive mm-hmm. and um, it accounts for 90% of Iceland's data center industry according to KPMG. So they have this like nature site called the Eldvorp site, definitely pronouncing that wrong, but it's known for its igneous craters, which are very important to the nature there, but they're being called Bitcoin-driven environmental destruction because they're having to dam new rivers and dig more geothermal wells in sensitive areas just to have like the manpower and like electricity they're just, they're just trying to increase the power that they have to store more data centers, which is putting the environment at risk. Yeah, so it's super interesting. No one really hears about it. I can't believe I found out from Snapchat, but it's definitely a conversation that needs to be discussed. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people that are like, oh, I want to start mining Bitcoin. And I'm like, did you consider that it, costs a lot of money to be able to try and mine it and it's getting harder and harder like it's definitely an issue so yep so that's our conversation on bitcoin and now that you can sort of see the technology um, that we're talking about today we wanted to highlight some super cool women that are kicking butt and taking names in the industry Um, And it's a super long article, actually, and I didn't just want to redo the entire thing um, because it might literally take an hour. The title is Cryptocurrency is Not Just a Boys Club, um, which I love. And the reporter, Morgan Peck, going and interviewing these women that are involved and asking them, like, how they got involved with the industry, how being a woman has impacted them. And um, just her observations, because she's been doing a lot of reporting in the cryptocurrency and blockchain industry for a while now. So I'll just give you a couple of the highlights. And then it has, later in the article, each one of their own stories. So if you're super interested, feel free to check out that article on Glamour.com. It's definitely a good read if you're going for a long car ride with a pal or taking a 12-hour flight. (laughs) Or if you're just really into cryptocurrency. Like, if we've inspired you, go ahead and read that. Um, So one of the biggest observations um, that this reporter got was a lot of people would ask, like, why do you think there's not a lot of women in Bitcoin or in blockchain? And she says, actually, there are. They're just not given the same level of exposure or recognition, which is the problem. So that spoke to us. That was really upsetting. Okay, so I read all of what Madison had on our Google Doc that we sort of put all the information on for each episode. And I highlighted this because they're not just given the same level of exposure recognition. I feel like that's something that every woman, regardless of the industry that they're in, they feel because 
I, I don't want to say most industries are male-driven because that's definitely not the case, but those that are, um, this is exactly what women are saying, that they might be doing the exact same work and have the exact same accomplishments and maybe in greater positions of leadership, but they're just not getting, again, they're not getting like the recognition from their superiors or from even their like fellow coworkers of, wow, you're like, you're doing an amazing job. You're doing all these things for Bitcoin, but Bitcoin is only being discussed as such a male dominated field. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. And later it does talk about all of these conventions and meetings, people who are involved in cryptocurrency and how, like, women just aren't, like, these women who are involved in the industry, there's multiple that she highlights, um, they're not necessarily being invited to speak at these things, even though, like, they're important to the industry because it's such a male-dominated field. Absolutely. So, um, one of the women, Tivanya Evans, she's worked in the industry for nearly 20 years, which to me is funny because I'm like, how long has blockchain been around? Um, but I guess cryptocurrency has been a while, but it's only recently gotten big. Um, she says the crypto market is highly competitive at the moment with people fighting for influence. The men I've observed vying for influence are not very tech savvy at all. Women in tech, however, tend to overachieve, study more and expand their expertise legitimately so they can get in this space. So then it highlights some of the women who are doing just that. So Amber Baldette helped lead the Blockchain Center of Excellence at J.P. Morgan for more than two years. Elizabeth Rossellio founded a foreign exchange and payment platform in Africa called BitPesa. Uh, Galia Benarzi co-founded Bancor, a liquidity protocol that makes it easier to convert cryptocurrencies. Um, and you can expect to hear more from these leaders because they want women to get credit for the work, which can motivate more women to get involved in the industry. Yeah, I highlighted this part because I, to me, that resonated because I feel like that's what we're exactly trying to do with this podcast. We're trying to motivate more women to get involved in the tech industry as a whole. Because if you see like super badass women doing something amazing, you're obviously going to think, well, hopefully you'll think, wow, she can do it. I can do it too. That's why I'm such a pro Carly Kloss in the tech industry type of person. Mm -hmm. Because I think of any girl out there who feels inspired by her even remotely and they see her doing something as super cool as coding or anything tech related, then they're going to, get equally as inspired and hopefully sign up for her scholarship or just get into coding in general and I think that's awesome that there's like such inspiring people like that yeah and I think in a way I laughed when I thought of this but like Carly Kloss and these women are making technology and programming and cryptocurrency like sexy in a way <laughs> because for, you see Carly Kloss and, and these women are like wow they're so beautiful I want to be like them because our natural instinct, I feel like we've grown up and women are, you know, judged on their beauty and their looks and all these things. And they use that to be able to say, oh, no, like, yeah, sure, I'm beautiful, whatever. Like, I don't really care. The point is I'm trying to bring, you know, tech here and do these cool things and help people. And it makes you think like, oh, like technology is actually really cool. Like. It seemed intimidating, it seemed boring, like, whatever you think about it, like, it's actually really awesome. 100%. So, love it. Um, so, a little bit more about this article. 
So, let's see. Oh, this sort of brings me back to when we went to the hackathon, Katie, and it was like, it was an all-women's hackathon, and it was like, these women were creating products, and literally all of them were helping women or the world or whatever it was. Like, they all were for the better of society, and Mm -hmm. that was just super cool. Um, And that's why I really think people like these women and Carly Kloss are super awesome. Valdette comments on these types of issues. So she says, women I found are quick to postulate scenarios that hit close to home, like how GPS location sharing or an emailed receipt might disclose sensitive activity to an abusive partner. Latter, those same privacy features might make someone love your app because you kept them from accidentally ruining a surprise party. Diversity and development is a numbers game. It's about filling in each other's blind spots to build a safer, more useful product for everybody. And I feel like that just goes right back to when we saw all the different causes that um, those girls were fighting for and seeing, like, wow, they had such a different perspective um, than what ours was for, right? And then they were able to come together and fill in each other's blind spots. And that's just super cool. Yeah, I resonated with that as well in terms of, like, how our partner Allison knew definitely more technical aspects. However, we were super well-versed in presentation skills, so it was amazing that we could, again, fill in each other's blind spots and come together with all these different, like, tactics of how we were going to get our product to the market, and we came together in such, like, a seamless way. That was really awesome how we could join forces like that and build a product. And I think on a more general note, like, it's talking about diversity and development and how if only half the population is involved in this industry, then you're not going to get the views that you need to ben- to benefit all of society. Then we have Gallippi. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. Immediately noticed that cryptocurrency conferences had almost exclusively all male speaker lineups. Said that even when she attends panels today, She's usually the only woman or one of the one of the very few women speaking. She encourages more women that are involved to be up in front of people and draw more women in, which yeah. is awesome. Again, to me, that's just like, if you see people like you doing these amazing things, then you'd be more willing to say, oh, okay, like maybe that is doable. The article concludes for its first part. As Stark sees it, Blockchain technologies today are analogous to the early days of the internet. Women need to be building this new frontier. There's way too much of the prior generation of the internet that was not built by a diverse group of people. Recently, we've seen how a diet of all white male test data can lead to bias in artificial intelligence, overlooking people of color, etc. I want to see a broader participation, broader perspectives, contributing to better problem solving. End quote. (laughs) True. So um, that was today's episode on women who are killing it in the cryptocurrency industry. Um, I'll just say their names just because there's a lot of them. And if you're like, ooh, she sounds cool, definitely look her up, see what she's doing. Um, This is the author. Okay, so the first one is Kathleen Breitman. 
the next one is Connie Gallippi, Elizabeth Roselio, Tivania Evans, Tess Renierson, Meltem Demurus, Amber Baldette, Gallia Benartzi, Elizabeth Stark, which also, I'm a bit of a design nut, and these pictures they took of them are so beautiful. So cool. Like, super, super cool. There's, like, gradients in the background, and then shadowing with different colors. It's really neat. Yeah, I'm about it. So, if anything, check out these pics and get inspired, because love it. Okay. So, those are some of the women doing cool things. So, I just thought I would say their names, and maybe one of them would listen to this podcast and feel recognized, which is the goal. (laughs) They would find us. (laughs) They'll find us one way or another. But yeah, um, I really hope you guys have learned a little bit more about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and blockchain. Um, I guess, did you want to share your views? I think cryptocurrency is super cool. I don't know enough about it to really say, oh yeah, I'm really pro or oh, I'm super against. Um, So I'm probably leaning towards the against side just because I am fearful because I don't know enough information. Um, But I do believe blockchain is definitely a pro. Cool. And then Bitcoin? Bitcoin... I'm a little hesitant of just because me as a person, I'm always fearful when people get excited over things and freak out over things because I feel like mm, maybe that's not as super amazing as you think it is. So that always worries me. So I probably would say that I'm anti-Bitcoin. Yeah. So I definitely agree. Um, not a big fan of Bitcoin. Um, I feel like every cryptocurrency I've been told by people that are much smarter than me um, has its pros and cons, and Bitcoin, I feel like, was just the first one that started to get popular. Um, Who knows really why, but, you know, it has come crashing down and up and down. It's a roller coaster, and I'm a big believer in bubbles, (laughs) and we've seen it all the time when people get super excited. You know, it's more than a fad, but people just, you know, are like, oh, this is the next thing, and, you know, then something bad happens, so... I'm not a huge Bitcoin person, and cryptocurrency definitely has a lot to work on because it could be any other cryptocurrency, it, you know, it just happens to be Bitcoin, um, and value is really just determined by what we say it is, right? Um, diamonds really don't have that much value, but we give them value, so they're expensive. Um, so yeah, that's my view on it, I, more of a economical approach for being a tech lover I'm pretty neutral towards cryptocurrency because I think it has potential um I just don't think we have it all figured out yet because it's new and then blockchain definitely pro blockchain it still has some stuff to work on but I think it's like all of the thought process behind it and why they're creating technology like this um is really cool no thanks but if you're mining some Bitcoin, send us a picture too because it's always cool to see what people have set up. I love the setups. It's probably my favorite part. <laughs> it's like giving a room tour. Like <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> so it's definitely besides like behind the scenes. Yes. 
So send us your pictures. Let us know if you're investing and how that's been working out for you because I'm genuinely curious. The Chatter is a podcast made by women for women in the tech and business space. You can get in touch with us on our Facebook and Instagram at The Chattercast. And feel free to send us inquiries and let us know what you think we should be talking about on our next episode. Our email is thechatterpodcast at gmail.com. See you soon.